Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning is again 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This morning our message is following Jesus' example. In the first portion of 1 Peter chapter 2 we looked at last week, we saw that Christ should be the cornerstone of the Christian's life. He's the perfect example for us to follow. And that's what all Christians should model their life after. And with Christ, we can come into the presence of God. We are the priests. We talked about that a little bit last week. Only the priest could enter the Holy of Holies during the Old Testament times before Christ came. They would enter the Holy of Holies where God's presence was said to be. But now... We are the priests. We are a holy nation. We are God's chosen people. We are His children. We can come into His presence through Jesus Christ. And because of that, we should read His Word, study His Word, and apply it into our life to live like Christ lived. And Peter begins our portion of Scripture today by continuing with that theme once again of following the example of Jesus. We are indeed to live a righteous life in this fallen, hostile, dark world. We are foreigners here. Our true home, our true citizenship is in heaven. And this earth, this life is just a temporary place for us to carry out God's work until we are called to our eternal home. But while we're here, we're not just to sit back and relax and have a good time. We are to do some things. We have obligations, if you will. And that's kind of what Peter starts talking about actually back in verse 11. Peter says that Christians have an obligation to strangers. We have an obligation to strangers. We're to treat them with love. We're to love our neighbors. Who are the neighbors? Not the person that lives next door to us necessarily, but anybody that we come into contact with. 
So we're out shopping. We see someone having some trouble doing whatever it is they're doing. We should help them. That's what Christ would do. But Peter tells us we're also to abstain from fleshly lusts. And not just abstain from them, but to completely avoid them, to stay completely away from them. And in order to have an impact on this world, we as Christians must show that we are different. We must avoid the desires of this world. And not only from an external standpoint, but from an internal standpoint as well. And these fleshly desires wage war on us. Some people desire health. And they'll do whatever they have to do to get good health. Now, I'm sure we all want to be healthy. But when you're whatever age you are, that's the age you should look. You know, we shouldn't have such a desire that many people today have, they consider an illness. They have so many plastic surgeries to look younger and younger. And they spend so much money on different treatments to look younger and younger. And that's kind of, it kind of goes the same way from the other aspect. You know, when you're, when you're 60 or 70, you should look like you're 60 or 70. On the other hand, when you're 15, you should look like you're 15, not like you're 25. And so it does go both ways. Some people desire that look. Some people desire wealth. And they'll do whatever they can do to get it. Lie, cheat, steal, whatever. Some people desire fun. And they'll do whatever they can do to have fun all the time. Now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with good health. There's nothing wrong with looking good. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with having fun. All of those in and among themselves are fine. But it's when you have a desire or a lust for any of those items or anything, that's when it becomes a problem, when it's taken to the extreme. It will destroy your joy as a Christian. It will destroy your peace. And ultimately, it will destroy your usefulness to God. Because you no longer desire to serve God. You want to look good. You want to have fun. You want to be rich. So our behavior as Christians should not follow after the desires of the world. Instead, Peter tells us we should be excellent. We should be pure. We should be noble. And the world should recognize that we're different. The world saw Christ was different. Some people believed Him. Some people followed Him. Some people persecuted Him. And we should expect the same. If we are different in this world... Some people will follow after us. Some people will say, you know what? There's something about that guy. There's something about that person. I'd like to get to know them better. I'd like to hang out with them some more. And there's other people that will say, oh, 
That guy's weird. I don't have anything to do with him. But that's what Peter is telling us. We have an obligation to this world, to strangers, to people we don't know, but we see them out there. When we're standing in line at Walmart and the person in front of us, or maybe just the machine is not working correctly or whatever it is, and people start getting very impatient and very angry, and it happens, but we as Christians should not. And we should be an example to other people so that they can say, hey, you know what? That was a stressful situation. And look at how that guy handled it. That's what we need to be like. Our second obligation to this world is to the government. We are to submit ourselves to the government, whether we agree with it or not. And we are under civil law and authority. God has placed these governments in charge, whether we agree with them or not. The government is really here to protect the innocent, protect the good people, and to punish the evildoers. That's really what the government is supposed to do. If we break the law, we deserve the punishment, whatever that punishment might be. Now, obviously, there needs to be some level of severity. Obviously, if you murder someone, you shouldn't get the same penalty as if you get caught speeding. Obviously, needs to be a different level of punishments. But we are to obey the government. We're to live obediently and submit ourselves to the authorities to honor God. And when we do that, God is glorified through our conduct. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to agree with the government, but if the, they pass a law, we are to obey that law. Thankfully, in this country, we are free to express our feelings. We are free to protest, um, as long as we do it within the, con- the, the, confound, the confines of the law. As long as we're doing it lawfully, we're free to write letters to our people in charge, or we're free to protest, whatever it is, as long as it's lawful. Other countries cannot do that. The only time that we are supposed to disobey the law of the country is whenever it tries to force a Christian to do what is against the law of God explicitly stated in Scripture. China, for example, has some laws about uh, children um, that the government encourages only males' uh, children to survive. And uh, families are limited to one child or else they don't get government aid. And uh, they're kind of forced, the women, if if the, the child is found to be female, they're kind of forced to have an abortion. That would be against the law of God So we would need to disobey that government law. But when Christ was teaching and ministering to people, he submitted himself to the governing authorities. He paid his taxes. He obeyed and he submitted to the government as far as worldly civil activities were concerned. And we should do the same. I read of a, a 
which I think was in the Interpreter magazine maybe here not too long ago, about a, uh, a man that, uh, he, a couple actually, they refused to pay their portion of taxes that goes to fund, let me say it was military or something that he disagreed with. He refused to pay those taxes. Instead, he took that money and donated it to something else. Well, you can't do that. You can't do that. You have to pay your taxes. And the IRS came after him and taxed his wages, and, and they got their money out of him. But we are to obey the government. Our third obligation is to our masters. And today we would say, you know, employees, be subject to your bosses. You know, just because we're Christians doesn't make us any better than anybody else. It doesn't make us any smarter than anybody else. We are all still sinners in need of a Savior. And that is definitely a problem with the younger generation today for sure that I notice. Is younger workers do what they want to do. They don't listen to the boss. They don't care. They do what they want. And it's very difficult to get them to listen. But that's what we are to do as Christians. There are these certain structures in place in our society, such as the employee-employer relationship. And we're not to rebel against them. And that's difficult for us. You know, when the boss tells you to do something, that's what you're supposed to do. You can't say, well, I don't want to do that. Now, maybe you'll have a, a nice boss or something that's a little bit flexible that you can say, are you sure you want me to do that? Because whatever, you know. But if that's what they want you to do, you do it. And luckily here, again, in the United States, and especially in Pennsylvania, we are an at-will employee, meaning I can leave my job anytime I want, and they can get rid of me anytime I want as well. It's at-will employment. I willingly work for them, and they willingly employ me. But some places around the world are not like that. Some places still have a caste system. Meaning if you're born into a farming family, you're a farmer. You'll never be anything else. And you won't be able to really marry anybody else. You'll have to marry either a farmer or maybe... In, in the case of a, a male, you could marry someone below you, possibly, but probably never above you. There's just no choice. That's what you do. But whatever type of system we're in, we are to submit to our masters. Again, the same thing holds true with the government. If your boss asks you to do something that against that is against the word of God, then you are to outright reject it. But also, if your boss asks you to do something that is illegal against company policy, you should reject it as well. But we are the idea is submission. We're to submit ourselves to others. And we're to do this voluntarily. We do this for the testimony of Christ. And that's what Peter's getting at here, especially when we're treated unfairly. We're to take that treatment knowing that God sees and knows all, and that we are under his care. That's what Christ did. I mean, as a, as a human, he was a 100% human. 
human being while also being 100% God. While he was here, he lived just like us. He got hungry, he ate, he was sad, he cried. I'm sure he was happy and laughed, although it's never really explicitly stated in Scripture. But I'm sure he had a good time. He had questions about things. He asked people. He learned. He lived just like us. So no doubt, and even when he prayed that night in the garden, he didn't want to be persecuted. He didn't want to go through that pain. He didn't want to go through that ridicule. He didn't want to be nailed to a cross. And he, in that garden, he prays to the Father. He says, if there's another way, let's do that instead. But not what I want. What you want. Your will shall be done. That was Christ submitting to the Father. And he was and is the perfect example of patient endurance. Because he suffered unjustly. He was sinless. He deserved none of the punishment that he got. But he suffered for us. And not just as a pattern for us to follow after. Not just as an example. But he suffered for our, to be our substitute. To bear the sins of his people. He bore the punishment and the penalty for believers to satisfy our holy God. And that is the heart of the gospel right there. That Christ died for you. We are to honor all people. And we are to respect human life and treat people accordingly. We're to love each other. We're to love other believers. We're to fear God. Or to receive Christ into our lives. And think about how you live and act in this world. Do we live in a godly manner? Or do we seek revenge whenever someone tries to hurt us? Or to hurt our family? And to be sure, when you are living a Christ-like life, you will be mistreated. But just remember that God sees it and God knows it. Pray for the strength to resist the temptation to seek your own revenge. Live like Christ. Pray for the person that's offending you. Pray that God will open their eyes and their hearts to see the error of their ways and for them to receive Christ into their lives. We're to love our enemies. And the question is, are you following Jesus' example? He set the perfect example for us. How closely are you following? Let's think about that this week as we go about our daily lives. Let's close with a prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word. And not just your word on paper, but your word in the flesh. Help us to truly live as you would have us to live. And strengthen us to be submissive to those in charge that are ruling over us. Help us to extend that great mercy and love that you gave us to others. And help us to resist the temptation to seek revenge on our own. 
Guide us in our journey as we strive to follow Christ closer and closer each day. It's through your Son's precious name that we pray and give thanks. Amen.